0: Welcome to another inspirational message from London Live Church. You're listening to our Sermon of the Week. Hello, everyone. Today, I would like to revisit the old story that we all know about. And this is about the Samaritan woman. And I would just like to maybe spend reading a few verses about uh, uh, this story, which we find in uh, John chapter 4. And I'm just reading the words from the four... Verses from 4 to 16. It says this. Now he had to go to Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sikar, near the plot of the ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. And it was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asks you to give a, to have a drink you would have asked him and he would have given you the living water sir the woman said you have nothing to draw with at the well and the well is deep where can you get this living water are you greater than our father jacob who gave us the well and drank it from it himself as did his sons and his flocks and herds Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never get thirsty. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty. I have to keep coming here to draw water. I think that's a beautiful story. There is something about this great story that I still find surprising. We read it many times, and uh, every time we go to this story, we find something new, and often something surprising. So here we have the woman at the well. One of the most well-known stories in the Bible. One of the best-known women, And yet somehow in all of this, we don't know her name. This seems like a pretty good hint as to the status of women in the biblical times. Of course, it is an understatement to say that women in both Old Testament and New Testaments were second-class citizens. One simple historical fact from the legal system around Jesus' time tells us a lot. Women were not even permitted witnesses just as you would not give a cow or a dog or a or, or donkey to be a witness you know on the scene of crime. The life of women was amazingly under control of men. Men made all decisions including whom to marry and if a woman was fortunate enough to be married she lived in a fear of divorce which was basically also the decision of the man. And even worse, she lived in a fear of becoming a widow, because widows were the, at the absolute bottom of the social and the economic ladder of the first century AD Palestine. Married women had a lot to worry about. So what about the woman who was divorced five times? What do you think society might think about such women, about our woman at the well? The text tells us, in fact, it was Jesus who tells us, he tells her that she was divorced five times. And if we keep in the mind that men instigated divorces, we are talking about a woman who was rejected five times. My guess is that this didn't go very well in her community. I can't imagine that she got a lot of respect. And I guess her self-confidence was quite short. Rejected five times. And you know what? I always thought that this woman was a a lewd woman. Woman of uh, uh, some some immorality. But you know what? I kind of changed my mind. This is rather surprising that you don't read between the lines what is happening. That woman was rejected. She was clinging. She was living in a limbo. And she was looking to attach herself to someone so that she's not living on her own. And people took advantage of her. And you know, sometimes community can be quite cruel. I uh, was raised in a little town and during the summer, I would go to my grandparents' village. And in that village, it was a, you know, idyllic village, but also there are a lot of stories that I witnessed and events that were not quite gentle And mellow. I remember a woman in that place and we called her Dumb Emma. Now Dumb Emma was a woman. I was a little boy and I thought that she was a woman in her maybe 30s or 40s. Her misfortune was that she was she couldn't speak nor could she hear anything and uh, she would be mumbling something and people took advantage of that because she was disabled, she could not get a proper job. So she was working on a, for the day wages in the fields. And people were often laughing at her and bullying her for not being able to speak. And I remember that even we kids, I'm ashamed to say, we were walking after behind her and we would kind of try to laugh and kind of imitate her voice that she made was like, a ma ma, ma, ma ma I would like to tell you that there is a happy ending to the story of Emma. Many years ago, I came back to that village from England, and uh, and I remember I had a guilty conscience for, for laughing at that woman, for ganging up with others about her misfortune. And I remember some years ago, I have asked, where is Adam Eve? And it turned out that and she struggled to get some bread on her table. She fell under the tractor and she accidentally, she died in an accident. Sometimes the stories don't end up well in the Bible. That woman, when I think now, maybe was bright and intelligent, and if given a right help, she would have achieved great things. But she was rejected in that village, not by five men, but she was rejected by the whole village. And I think the story of Samaritan woman is a very similar story. This woman was rejected five times, but also rejected by all of her community. But coming back to divorces, if those divorces were not enough, text tells us, actually it is the Jesus who tells us, that even the man, even the man that, with whom she is now, is not her husband. And while we don't know exactly what it means, it doesn't sound like a conservative society would condone. Each time I read this passage, I cannot help myself and think about the dumb Eve. Well, you may say now, we have come a long way. So given what we know today, it seems appalling that the woman had to put up with these things in those days. But this was the reality facing our woman at the well. Undoubtedly an outcast in her own community. And likely she was despairing of her own self-worth. And please note, you know, I think many times preachers preach, they do point out that it was a midday. People would gather at the wells in the evening and in the morning, and it was like a, a Facebook thing, or maybe even more modern. It would be like a Zoom meeting. People would come, they would exchange. It was a uh, people were looking forward to come to the well to draw water because that's where they were talking about it, share the gossip and everything, put the likes, and uh, look at each other's posts. But uh, there was no place for that woman in the morning and in the evening. So she had to come in the midday, when nobody is around, to draw water. But you see, not only she was divorced five times, she was regarded as a lewd, not only she was rejected community by the community and she had to come in the midday to draw the water, even worse than that is she was a Samaritan. And you know, Jewish society looked down on the Samaritans, and of course, Jesus was Jewish. Samaritans were viewed as a kind of sort of half-breed, a mongrel culture, shameful remnants of what was once an Israelite nation, the northern part of the kingdom. They were thought to be a product of the years of intermarriages. Although the Samaritans professed basically the same fate, the tensions were real between those two people. And so our story begins with a tired and thirsty Jesus approaching the well, all by himself. And he asks the woman to draw some water for him. Well, actually it's more like an order since he's a Jew. He says, Give me some water to drink. And then the confusion begins. Jesus and the woman don't have much in common. It's almost like a story is so perfect, it's almost invented. You know, you have here so the extremes of the society. A man and a woman. Then you have another layer. You have a Jew and then you have a Samaritan and even another layer, which is a rabbi, who is most esteemed in the, Israeli, in the, in the Jewish society, and then you have a moral woman, the most lowest human being there can be in both of their communities. I suppose it's not surprising that she might have had a trouble understanding him, the plus the fact that he is saying some pretty, pretty odd stuff. For starters, she wonders why is he asking her a Samaritan woman for water? Her reply, his reply is perplexing. He says to her, if you had known the gift of God and who it is who said to you, give me some water to drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. I can only imagine what she was thinking, like wondering, where did that come from? So she replies, sir, but you have no bucket and the well is deep where do you get this living water you know this is something very interesting and when we talk about in the context of racism and chauvinism and and all that stuff you know uh, she's so confused she you know i always thought that that he's that she's teasing jesus like you know i'm not going to give you water but there is something more profound here more tragic than that she actually doesn't understand how she's going to to get this water let me give you an example uh Uh, A church member of mine was telling me how he went to uh, uh, buy a present for his daughter and wanted to buy a telescope. And he just came before five o'clock in the shop. And the lady was about to close the shop and he said, oh, I wanted to buy a telescope for my daughter. And uh, she looked at him and said, okay, you know, pick up the telescope, take it home. And if you like it, come back tomorrow and pay me. And he was so confused. He kind of said, no, no, that's impossible. And, you know, he was thinking, she cannot possibly give it that to me because I'm black. You know, he was the one who was thinking that he cannot have it because he's black. He was so conditioned to think that people, you know, that he's not supposed to do that, that that, that he came to such a conclusion. This woman also, she thought, I am a Samaritan. There is there is no chance in the world that this Jewish man would expect me to give him a water because I'm so dirty, I'm so unclean. And so she asks him, sir, but you don't have a bucket. How are you going to drink? You're not going to take my bucket. You're not going to drink from my hands. She's so conditioned. She's so deeply ingrained into her status that she's been conditioned to think like that. And then the story moves on and he starts talking about the things like eternal life. You will never be thirsty again, he says. Those who drink of the water, uh, who will be given, never will never be thirsty, and the water that I will give becomes in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. And I think she thinks again, where does it come from? What what, what is the guy talking about to me? It's almost like trying to explain a donkey, you know, uh, some concepts in physics. And then, then comes this point, which I consider one of the most moving part, most moving words in the Bible. I think somewhere, something clicks. Like, you know, we all have that experience where you suddenly realize, you suddenly wake up from that conditioned state. You see something we all saw than a woman, that a you know, a, a, a black, white, whatever you find yourself, a bullied person, and something wells up in you. Sometimes something just opens up. For the new possibilities something just comes into you to realize and she realizes that there might there just might be something some light coming into her soul something that can you bring rise up from that condition and she says sir give me this water and notice that she asks the same way jesus asked yes indeed give me this water i think of the story of the woman at the well as the story of empowerment, about someone who, by society's measure, had no reason to feel empowered, let alone to be able to talk to a man in that commanding tone. The lowest on the social ladder, talking to the highest on the social ladder. Not the expected outcome, and it is very surprising if you read the story deeply. As the conversation continues, Jesus not too subtly describes himself as the Messiah and says that he was sent by God to give this living water. But she didn't need to hear anymore. She was already there. She will read the fine print later. Perhaps it was the mere fact that he talked to her like the human being for the first time somebody addressed her as a person of value. After a while, disciples catch up with Jesus, and they are appalled. The text tells us, at that very moment, his disciples came back. They were shocked. They were shocked because he was speaking to a woman. However, no one said, what do you seek, or why are you speaking to her? My guess is the disciples were too afraid to even ask what they wanted to ask. That they could see in Jesus' eyes, eyes that said, don't you even dare to go there. Just, you know, sometimes for those of you guys who are married, when your wife has a look at you, you know, you know everything. You know, it's a whole paragraph that she can express in one look. And then, as if on cue, the woman leaves. She literally drops everything. The text says, the woman left her water jar, went into the city and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Surely, he can't be the Messiah, can he? So they went out from the city and began coming to him. Something has changed, and it is not clear what. She isn't even sure that he is a long-awaited Messiah. And yet, this outcast now has the confidence that she was lacking so much to go down to the city and round up all the people, to convince them to come and see for themselves. Now, if that's not a surprising outcome, this is very surprising indeed. I can't tell you what was going in her head. I can't even tell you the full extent of what was going on in this conversation. It is all very complex and mysterious, and it's deliberately so made, just like much of the Gospel of John. But I can tell you, That she was now a different person after encountering Jesus. And maybe, maybe that's the whole point of that story. It didn't matter what others thought of her. Or what she had done before in her life. She was so excited. She ignored her scarlet letter station in life. And ran off to lead the townspeople back to meet this mysterious man. Over 25 years ago, I was at the very beginning of what... I would like to think as a faith reawakening, an awakening that was ultimately led me down to part where I am now. And one of the first things I decided was to take a look in the Bible. And it was there that I came with those words. I remember it as yes as you know as 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 it was yesterday. I was a young teenager in many ways and I, and I was confused and I had this very slow self-esteem. I was not sure, you know, what I was doing to do it seems that everybody had plans for the future and i didn't have any plans and i remember i opened once the bible and in the bible it was said there in jeremiah i have plans for you and that gave me such a confidence boost because i didn't have any and yet you know if i did not have any god will have something for me and i was surprised these were the words for me that were so soothing unfamiliar and yet somehow they were speaking to me And i wanted to know more i remember being reminded of the powers of the beatitudes stories about things like mustard seed a woman at the well giving caesar to caesars and maybe especially jesus telling us telling me to stop worrying you know asking will worrying add a single day to your life and so on it was a balm of gilad to the unsure young teenager if you have read the new international uh, international Version Bible. You will notice that there is always a, a red letters in it, and those red letters, over the Jesus begins. Sometimes, if you feel you know I'm bored to read the Bible, just go to these letters, and you will find how beautiful these things are, how empoweringly Jesus speaks about you, and all of these writings. Everything that Jesus says speaks to every human being. But most importantly, importantly. It is to, fear, to know that when God, when you encounter God, He speaks to you. And one thing that I like to say, people say, I met Jesus, I met Jesus. But you know what? If somebody told me, if at the point of meeting Jesus, you have not been deeply disturbed, shaken, and profoundly changed, you probably have never met Him. So I would invite you that as you read the Bible, as you get into this encounter to Jesus, he will change your attitudes. He will change your attitudes on politics, on uh, environmental issues, on ecology, on human relationship, everything. But you know what? You need to want it. You need to come and see it. And you will be hugely changed. So I pray that we all may have this encounter. And you know what? a profound one, but also our daily encounters with Jesus that will profoundly change us and also empower us. And I wish that in your spiritual life, in your daily life, that you have this experience, that you have regained your things because every human being has a huge potential that even we ourselves don't know how far we can go. So I hope that going to the church is not just a place where you find, find safety, but it is place where you will realise your potential to the fullest and gain the life that Jesus says is truly, truly life. May God bless you in everything you do. Amen. This is the end of this broadcast. We hope you've been encouraged and inspired. For more information, please visit LondonLiveChurch.com.